Hello everyone and welcome back to Chronic Pain and Paranoia. It's us! We're back and this week we're going to be talking about cults again because for some reason you guys really like these and I don't know why. Yeah, it was our top episode last year, so. It's insane. Y'all liked them. Why? (laughs) Why? Tell us why. They just, I don't know, cults are really gross to me. I have a hard time covering them. Yeah. I won't say I have a hard time covering them. I just... It's just a different level because there's so many really, really bad ones. Uh-huh. I don't know. Anyway, Emily, how are you feeling today? Today, I feel like Pinhead from Hellraiser movie franchise. I feel weird doing this again. I'm going to be honest with you guys. This is the second time we recorded the yeah. opening. Emily's mic shut off or like disconnected, so we had to redo it, but... So, you get to hear that for the second time, Emily. The pinhead is realistic, though. Especially since I feel like they're on fire. Yeah. My head also hurts today, so I just I feel like I sympathize with you even more. Yeah. It's a, like grid formation all mm-hmm. across my head. Yeah, I have like a weird achy like, mm-hmm. headache. It's not as like sharp. Yeah, mine's like leftover from my migraine earlier mm-hmm. today. Lovely. So, yeah, how do you feel, Emily? Uh, so I saw this TikTok with this cat who uses <laughs> buttons to communicate, mm-hmm. and uh, her owner saw her fall off a chair when she was trying to jump on it. She like missed and mm-hmm. fell, and she like asked her if it hurt. She went like, "The cat said, ouch," mm-hmm. and then the cat came over and said, "Ouch." Poor little guy. And she's like, I I don't think she's actually hurt. I think her pride is just wounded, and that's how I feel like. Yeah. I don't feel good. And I'm sad about it. You gotta go hit the ouch button. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just gonna send you text now and say ouch. Ouch. And then I'll respond back with ouch. (laughs) And that will be our only communication. Exactly. Ouch. All right. Let's get started. Yeah. This podcast contains sensitive material such as violence, murder, paranormal activity, and other adult topics. So listener discretion is advised. While we do research all of our episodes, we are just two Emilys with a microphone and a passion for all things spooky. Take it with a grain of salt. All of our sources will be in the show notes. So Emily, we're doing cults this week. I picked one from Japan. It was pretty popular. It's called Aum Shinrikyo. Rikyo. R I K Y O. Shinrikyo. Um, the movement was founded by Shoko Asahara in his one bedroom apartment in Tokyo's Shibuya Ward in 1987. I know we just watched JJK. <laughs> I was like, what are they? I keep seeing TikToks of people in Shibuya and I just turned to Chris and I'm like, what are they doing? Nothing's the there. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go watch Jujutsu Kaisen. It's one of the best animes out there right now. So good. Anyway. So it started off as a yoga and meditation class um, and steadily grew in the following years. It gained official status as a religious organization in 1989 and attracted a considerable number of graduates from Japan's elite universities, thus being dubbed a religion for the elite. Interesting. Um, Shinriko, Shinrikyo is a syncretic, syncretic, yeah, belief system that draws upon 
Asahara's idiosyncratic interpretations of elements of early Indian Buddhism and Tibetan Buddhism, as well as Hinduism taking Shiva, I think I said the right, as the main image of worship. So it just takes a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. It also incorporates Christian millennialist ideas, the theory and practice of yoga, and the writings of Nostradamus. It's a lot. That's a lot, yeah. Its founder claimed that he sought to restore original Buddhism, but employed Christian millennialistic rhetoric. In 1992, Matsumoto, who had changed his name to Shoko Asahara, published a foundational book declaring himself to be Christ, Japan's only fully enlightened master, as well as identifying himself as the Lamb of God. (sighs) And that's where it all goes downhill. like every single cult ever. Yep. Anyway. So Asahara's purported mission was to take upon himself the sins of the world. He claimed he could transfer spiritual power to his followers and ultimately take away their sins and bad deeds. While some scholars reject Aum Aum Shinrikyo's claims of Buddhist characteristics and affiliations with Japanese Buddhism, other scholars refer to it as an offshoot of Japanese Buddhism. This was how the movement generally defined and saw itself. That's so weird, though, because, like, Buddhism and Hinduism is very not Christian. It He just kind of picked everything he wanted. Yeah. They were just like, I just think boop, it's boop, boop. disrespectful to call it an offshoot of Buddhism. It's disrespectful to call it a religion. That's fair. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. It's disrespectful to call it anything than what it anything is. Anything other than what it is, and it's a cult. Yes. So, according to Robert J. Lifton, an American psychiatrist and author, Asahara, um, Asa, I don't know how I've been saying it, whatever, described a final conflict culminating in nuclear Armageddon, borrowing the term from the book of Revelation 1616. Don't know whose Bible, but it's there somewhere. It's going to come in later, too. Oh, yeah, it is. Revelations is a popular one for cult leaders, friends. Mm-hmm. So humanity would end except for the few elite who would join Aum. Aum's mission was only to spread the word of salvation, but also to survive these end times. Asahara predicted that the gathering of Armageddon would happen in 1997. Kaplan notes that in his lectures, Soko Asahara referred, referred, referred to the United States as the beast from the book of Revelation. I mean, that's fair. Yeah predicting it would eventually attack Japan. Asahara outlined a doomsday prophecy, which included a third world war instigated by the U.S. Arthur Goldwag, author of a book on conspiracies and secret societies, characterized Asahara as someone who was influenced by conspiratorial writings about Jews, Freemasons, and the British royal family. Of course, Freemasons. (laughs) The British royal family. They're probably called too. Probably. They are a cult. Sorry. Prince Andrew, the Epstein list that just came out. We should do a silly podcast episode, like a mini, where we just uh, debate on things that we think are cults. Cults. Our greatest conspiracies. Peloton. Peloton is a cult. I'm going to ask you more about that later. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) We'll do a mini episode. How about that? Okay. On things 
that feel like a cult. I believe you, but what do you mean? Do you know what Peloton is? Yes, like the Peloton it's bikes. A cult. Okay, kind of People like people get so into it. Yeah, like CrossFit. CrossFit's a cult. Yeah. Okay, more on that programs. later. Tea. Anyway, the lady who said you can heal your eyes just by believing in yourself. <laughs> Come on. Come on. It sounds like love is one cult. That's yes. That's what you would say. You don't actually have bad vision. You just have a bad outlook on life. <laughs> Me at the oh ripe age of first grade getting my first pair of glasses. Oh my gosh. that I can like see that as a Pinterest quote from 2011. Right? Okay, anyway, go ahead. Anyways. Sorry. Um, in the opinion of Dan- Daniel A. Matro, Om Shinriko justified its violence through its own... Oh, yeah, the violence is going to come later. Sorry. Justified its violence through its own unique interpretation of Buddhist ideas and doctrines. And then yada, yada, yada. It goes on to talk about other things. Um, the name Om Shinriko usually rendered in the English as Om Supreme Truth, derives from the um, syllable Aum used to represent the universe, so that's why they went with it. In January 2000, the organization changed its name to Aleph, a reference to the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and also replaced its logo. So surprise, it's still a cult, and it's still running today. Oh, really? Yep, it's just under a different name now. So the cult started attracting controversy in the late 1980s with accusations of um deception of recruits holding cult members against their will forcing members to donate money and murdering a cult member who tried to leave in february of 1989 well there it is yep it gets worse in october 1989 the group's negotiations with uh an anti-cult lawyer threatening (laughs) i'm sorry sakamoto's his last name an anti-cult lawyer threatening a lawsuit against them which could potentially bankrupt the group which failed. In the same month, Sakamoto recorded an interview for an inter- for a talk show on the Japanese TV station TBS. The network then had an interview secretly shown to the group without notifying Sakamoto, intentionally breaking protection of sources. The group then pressured TBS to cancel the broadcast. The following month, Sakamoto, his wife, and his child went missing from their home in Yokohama. The police were unable to resolve the case at the time, although some of his colleagues publicly voiced their suspicions of the group. It was not until after the 1995 Tokyo attack that they were found to have been murdered and their bodies dumped in separate locations by cult members. So Kaplan and Marshall alleged in their book that Alm had also was also connected to such activities as extortion. The group authors report commonly took patients into its hospitals and forced them to pay exorbitant medical bills. The cult is known to have considered assassinations of several individuals critical of the cult, such as heads of Buddhist sect Soka Gakkai and the Institute for Research in Human Happiness. After cartoonist Yoshinori Kobayashi began satirizing the cult, I am sorry, these are big words, and it's late and I have a migraine, he was included on Am's assassination list. His, an assassination attempt was made on Kobayashi in 1993. In 1991, Aum began to use wiretaping to get NTT uniforms, equipments, and created a manual for wiretapping. That's not good. No. That's very illegal. Uh Uh-huh. In July 1993, cult members sprayed large amounts of liquid-containing 
Bacillus anth- anthrax spores. So, Ooh, yeah. That's bad. From a cooling tower off the roof of Amshinrigo's Tokyo headquarters. However, their plan to cause an anthrax epidemic failed. The attack resulted in a large number of complaints about bad odors, but no infections. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's kind of crazy. It gets worse. <laughs> it always gets worse. I was just wondering how that didn't work. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, anthrax I think is really, really dangerous. They were making their own solutions and stuff. Um, okay. Maybe they just didn't so do So I job. don't know what they were doing. Yeah. At the end of 1993, the Colts started secretly manufacturing the nerve agent Sarin and later VX. Um, tested its Sarin on sheep at Bonjourn Station? I don't know. Someone tell me how to say that. A remote pastoral property in Western Australia, killing 29 sheep. Both Sarin and VX were then used in several assassinations and attempts over 1994 to 1995. The 27th of June, 1994, the cult carried out chemical weapons attacks against civilians when they released sarin in the central Japanese city of Matsumoto, Nagano. With the help of a converted refrigerator truck, members of the cult released a cloud of sarin which floated near the homes of judges who were overseeing a lawsuit concerning the real estate dispute which was predicted to go against the cult. Maybe don't do that. No. That's stupid. People are stupid. This Matsumoto incident killed eight and harmed 500 more. Police investigations focused only on an incident local resident, uh, Kyoshu Kuno, and failed to implicate the cold at the time. It was only after the Tokyo subway attack that Aum was discovered to be behind the Matsumoto Seren attack, which I'm going to get into. Okay. There's a lot of information. Yeah. So at the end of 1994, the cult broke into the Hiroshima factory of Mitsubishi Heavy Industries in an attempt to steal technical documents on military weapons such as tanks and artillery. What is going on? Yeah. What do they think they are? They think they're their own military and they want to, you know. Wreak havoc. Yeah. Um, In December 1994 and January 1995, Masami... Tuchia, I don't know how I said that right, but it's wrong, synthesized 100 to 200 grams of VX, which was used to attack three people. After failing to win support in the 1989 general election, the cult transformed itself into a terrorist group that produced arms and toxic gases. While expanding its influence in Japan, Alm also set up branches of offices overseas in the United States, Germany, and Sri Lanka. You know what I mean? Sri Lanka? Yes, thank you. In Russia, it is said that over 30,000 people joined the cult. Alm secretly plotted to buy arms and drugs and sent its members for training and shooting. Alm also opened affiliated businesses, business firms um, in Taiwan. In Australia, the cult purchased a farm, manufactured chemicals, and tested chemicals on sheep, as said previously. The nerve gas attacks occurred within a one-year period from 94 to 95, in addition to the uh, Matsumoto and Tokyo subway incidents. There were several other forms of anti-personal incidents of terrorism. The interrogation of the arrested suspects revealed that they had used XVX sarin and hydrogen cyanide in their murders and in their attempted murders. And other forensic ex- examinations support these conclusions. 
1993, their leader directed his cult members to begin the mass production of sarin, and in November 1993, they had succeeded in synthesizing it. In the trial run, they successfully sprayed the gas off the roof. Well, successfully. Mm-hmm. So the same incident I was talking about earlier, the police immediately began to rescue the injured and they began to con- conduct investigations. Many injured people were suffering from ocular pain and from numbness of the hands. I saw on YouTube this guy was talking about this cult and one guy had, he was around like the experience or whatever. He was like, okay, I feel fine. I'm not sick or anything. Mm-hmm. So he went to the gym and was like, okay, I'm a little lightheaded, but whatever. He's like, why are the lights going out in the building? And so like, he said it, like, looked like it, they were slowly dimming. Ugh. And then he walked out of the building. He realized, oh, this is me. And so, like, onlookers were like, dude, your eyes. Oh, that's so scary. And so that's how they'd get infected. And, like, some people died that way. Oh, that's so sad. That's terrifying. Yeah. Okay, so the act of terrorism involving Saren occurred around in the center of metropolitan Tokyo two months after the Great Hanshin Earthquake. Inside the trains on three subway lines during the peak of the morning rush hour on March 20th, 1995, a large number of passengers and station personnel suffered toxic ev- effects from an unknown gas. Some people escaped from the trains themselves and went to the hospital, but many victims were needed, needed immediate medical treatment. The patients complained of ocular pain and vomiting. So many patients rushed to, rushed to nearby hospitals. The hospital staff panicked and could not adequately cope with dispensing medical care. Twelve passengers and station personnel were killed, and approximately 5,000 people were injured. Wow. Typical symptoms included included darkened vision, ocular pain, nausea, meiosis, hyperamia, and nosebleeds. The autopsy findings were almost the same as those with the Matsumoto sarin incident. In cooperation with the Metropolitan Fire Department, the Metropolitan Police Department immediately started to carry out rescue operations to conduct traffic control and to investigate the incidents. Wearing productive suits and gas masks, police investigators proceeded to the dangerous crime scene. On-site, evidence samples such as containers, newspapers, and other remains were collected and immediately transported to the FSL of the MPD. The liquid had been released from plastic bags at passengers who were exposed to toxic gas. Sarin was released separately in five subway cars at 8 a.m. Early on, the first responses from the Metropolitan Fire Department mistakenly announced that it's uh, some sort of gas had been detected. Mm -hmm. At 10 a.m., the Tokyo FSL using laboratory gas, um, chromatico something, detected sarin in a crime scene sample. This speedy result was possible because of the prior experience which had been acquired during the Matsumoto sarin incident. Mm -hmm. At 11 a.m., the Criminal Investigation Department announced the detection of sarin to the press. The defense agency quickly responded to this incident and helped the police perform an on-site inspection and carry out decontamination for um, the poison sites. And that's the Japan attack. Like, they literally were terrorists. crazy. Yeah, that's so scary. Yeah. There was this one Criminal Minds episode about anthrax. Scares me to this day. Literally, that, like, he wanted to release anthrax in the New York subway. Mm-hmm. And it would, like, the airflow would just carry it through the whole city. Yeah. So scary. Terrifying. Anthrax is scarier, in my opinion, than this. 
Uh, I think it's all just scary. It's all bad, of course. The fact that it was, like, a terrorist attack. Terrifying. No, like, 5,000 people were injured? Yeah. That's insane. So they underwent a number of transformations in the aftermath of the arrest and trial. For a brief time, Asahara's two preteen sons officially appraised him as guru. It regrouped under the new name Aleph in February 2000. Um, It announced a change in doctrine. Religious texts related to controversial Buddhist doctrines in the Bible were removed. The group apologized to the victims of the Syrian attack and established a special compensation fund. Proactive publications and activities that alarm society were no longer published. For over 15 years, only three fugitives were... They just did a lot of bad stuff, and at one point they were involved with the the Russians, and they were doing, like, yeah, the Russian crackdown in 2016. The Investigative Committee of Russia announced it opened a criminal case against um, followers and that its investigators, along with the Federal Security Service forces, were conducting raids in Moscow and St. Petersburg to find them and confiscate literature, religious items, and electronic information. The Russian government then banned them from the country, declaring it a terrorist organization. Because they were. Yeah. T. Most of the people who were involved... I can't remember what year. I didn't write it down for whatever reason. They were executed recently. Oh. Yeah. So they they took it very seriously. Even their leader was executed Mm -hmm. at one point, I think. So. That's crazy. I haven't even heard of this. Me neither. Bryce was like, oh yeah. And I was like, huh? Why does Bryce know so much about cults? He knows everything. (laughs) And that's what I have for you. Hopefully it made sense, but. It made sense to me. That's crazy. Terrorist attack in Japan. Ugh, that's so scary. Uh Uh-huh. Something about, like, chemical and, like, bioweapons are so scary. Because it's chemical. Like, you can't do much to fight against it. it. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to know it's there? Ugh, I hate it. Okay. So, Emily, I'm going to tell you about Heaven's Gate. Yes! Um, so, funny and charismatic... An overachiever who was on the honor roll. That's how Louise Winant remembered her brother, Marshall Applewhite, who would go on to become the Heaven's Gate cult leader. None of Applewhite's loved ones could understand how the man they knew, a a friendly gesture, a devout Christian, and a devoted husband and father of two, could walk away from everything to found a cult. And not just any cult. Heaven's Gate was considered a bizarre even among the other strange New Age beliefs cropping up in the 1970s. Heaven's Gate was curiously techie. It had a website before most traditional businesses did, and its beliefs were like something out of Star Trek, involving aliens, UFOs, and talks of ascension to the next level. I love it. But also as strains of the familiar... It clearly borrowed from Christianity as Applewhite claimed to be the only to be able to save his followers from Lucifer. Lucifer. It was a combination that provoked laughter and ridicule more often than conversion, but somehow it did convert dozens of people. And in the end, nobody was laughing. Not when 39 cult members turned up dead in a 1997 mass suicide that stunned America. Bursting through the national consciousness, Heaven's Gate instantly became infamous. So, the earliest uh, incarnation of Heaven's Gate as the cult would eventually come to be known 
uh, began in 1970s under the leadership of Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles. Marshall Applewhite was born in 1931 in Texas and by most accounts had a relatively normal life. Known for his musical talents, he once attempted to become an actor. When that didn't pan out, he pursued music-focused careers at universities, which appeared to be going well. But in 1970, he was allegedly fired from his job as a music professor at Houston's University of St. Thomas because he was having a relationship with one of his students. Oof. Though Applewhite and his wife were already divorced by that point, he struggled with the loss of his job and may have even had a nervous breakdown. A couple of years later, he met Bonnie Nettles, a nurse with a strong interest in the Bible as well as a few obscure spiritual beliefs. That's how it always starts. Yep. While the true story of how Applewhite met Nettles remains murky, Applewhite's sister maintains that he entered a Houston hospital with heart trouble and that Nettles was the one of the nurses that treated him. According to Applewhite's sister, Nettles uh, convinced Applewhite that he had a purpose and that God saved him for a reason. As for Applewhite himself, he would say that he was simply visiting a friend in the hospital when he encountered Nettles. But no matter how they met, one thing was clear. They felt an instant connection and began to discuss their beliefs. By 1973, they were convinced that they were two witnesses, that they were the two witnesses described in the Christian book of Revelation, and they would prepare the way for the kingdom of heaven. Sound familiar? Oof. Big oof. It's unclear when they added UFOs and other elements of science fiction to their belief system, but this would ultimately become a huge part of what they stood for. Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles began to call themselves by Bo and Peep, him and her, and Do and Dee, and sometimes they even went by Winnie and Pooh or Tiddly and Wink. I hate it. Yeah, I don't know why. You know they named themselves this. Like, why? Uh-huh. Ugh. I don't know. Deranged. <laughs> Deranged out of this whole thing. That's it. <laughs> I just feel like that really speaks to it. I don't know. It does. They shared a platonic partnership in keeping with the ascetic life that they would come to encourage among their followers. Once they put together their belief system, Applewhite and Nuttles wasted no time advertising their new cult. Preparing presentations for potential followers all over the country, Applewhite and Nuttles would distribute posters that promoted a mixture of conspiracy theories, science fiction, and proselytization. And yet, these invitations were undeniably eye-catching. The word UFOs would often appear in big letters at the top with a disclaimer at the bottom, not a discussion of UFO sightings or phenomena. Oh my. I don't know. Okay. The posters usually claim that two individuals say they were sent from the level above human and will return to that level in a spaceship within the next few months. That would be me if I had a cult. In 1975, Applewhite and Nettles received national attention after they gave a particularly successful presentation in Oregon. In this presentation, Applewhite and Nettles promoted Heaven's Gate, then called a human individual metamorphosis or total overcomers anonymous with the promise that a spaceship would whisk their followers away to salvation. 
You know it's a real true nine or seventies cult when they say metamorphosis, mm-hmm. and a spaceship is involved. Yep, we love to see it. Oh yeah, not really, but you know what I mean. It's a good time. It's a good funny time. But first, they had to renounce sex, drugs, and all their earthly possessions, and in most cases, they also needed to abandon their own families. Only then could they be elevated to the new world. And a believer, better life known as T E L A H, the evolutionary level above human. Ah, yes. They need better acronyms. Yes, they do. It's like tell, tell, ha, tella. I don't know. Who knows? An estimated 150 people attended the event in Oregon. While many locals thought it was a joke at first, at least a couple dozen people were interested enough to join the cult and say goodbye to their loved ones. Through this grassroots approach, the founders of Heaven's Gate cult were able to convince more people to leave behind everything they knew to follow them and travel with them for about two decades. It was a radical move, but for some, the choice encompassed the spirit of the decade. Many were giving up the conventional lives they had, they had started and seeking new spiritual answers to old questions. But before long, some of the followers began to feel restricted by the cult's rules. As if abandoning their families wasn't enough, members were also expected to follow strict guidelines, including no sex, no human-level relationships, no socializing. You can't talk to anyone. So you're in this cult with a bunch of people, but don't even look at each other. Mm -mm. Don't even look at each Mm other. Huh? Yep. It's also like just textbook isolation tactics. Yeah. So that's cool. If anyone asks you to leave your friends and family, get out. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. A few members, including Applewhite, took this rule to the extreme by undergoing castration. Just putting that out there. My jaw is open, by the way. (laughs) The followers were also expected to dress largely alike and conform to incredibly specific rules about most mundane things. Everything was designed to be an exact duplicate, survivor Michael Connors explained. You are not to come up with, well, I'm going to make the pancakes this big. There is a mixture, a size, how long you cooked it on one side, how much the burner was on, how many pers- how many a person got, how the syrup was poured on, everything. I would pass away. Literally. Do they? <laughs> I would pass away. Do the founders have OCD? I was going to say, my ADHD could <laughs> never... <laughs> So how did a group like this once attract up to 200 members? According to former followers, Heaven's Gate was appealing because of its blend of asceticism, mysticism, science fiction, and Christianity. I guess. Michael Connors, an early recruit, said that the cult's message was appealing because they were talking to my Christian heritage, but in a modern, updated way. For example, Heaven's Gate apparently taught that the Virgin Mary was impregnated after she was taken up in a spacecraft. That's the real story of Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Now, as unbelievable as that sounds, that was an answer that was better than just plain virgin birth, Connor said. It was technical. It had physicality to it. No, it didn't! (laughs) 
Mama's, no, it didn't. Mama's spaceship. <laughs> it was technical. Huh? I feel like I have to cover my eyebrows when I say that because it's such. It like you can't wheezing. say that. It has me wheezing over here. <laughs> it's really funny. It's really funny. Oh. I feel like I can giggle laugh at this cult. I know I shouldn't. It's just too funny. I'm not laughing at the survivors. How they it's come just up with this. You know someone was sitting at their they, little round table being like, "Now, what are people going to believe?" They came up with this whole ideology like in one afternoon. They did. They wrote it down. They got a little legal pad and was like, they, "Okay." They sat in a Starbucks for 20 minutes and came <laughs> up with this. What is this? Oh. Anyway, we'll start our own cult, Emily. It'll be way better than that one. We basically already have one. True. Anyway. And it's way better than that it one. It is. <laughs> but before long, the cult's belief system became progressively wackier. I love it. Which would eventually lead to disaster. Don't love that part. Yeah. One of the cult's major problems was it was operating on a clock. Followers believe that if they stayed on the earth long enough, they would face recycling. The destruction of the earth as the planet was wiped clean. Okay. Pretty standard. Yeah. At first, Nettles and Applewhite were convinced it wouldn't come to that. After all, this spaceship run by T-E-L-A-H beings (laughs) was supposed to arrive for them long before the apocalypse happened. Hmm. Yes. Fate, however, threw a wrench in their plans when Nettles died from cancer in 1985. Yeah. Her death was a severe blow to Applewhite, not only emotionally, but also philosophically. Nettles' death had the potential to call into question a number of the cult's teachings. Perhaps, most pressingly, why did she die before the beings came to pick the followers up? Exactly. They're just waiting for their ride. <laughs> we can go, but my mom says you have to pick us back up. <laughs> my mom my can drive us if your, your mom, mom picks, picks us up. <laughs> That's where I was trying to go. <laughs> oh. oh. It was then that Applewhite began to rely very heavily on one particular tenant of the cult's beliefs. Human bodies were merely vessels or vehicles that were carrying them on their journey, and these vehicles could be abandoned when the humans were ready to ascend to the next level. According to Applewhite, Nettles had merely exited her vehicle and entered her new home among the TLAH beings, but Applewhite apparently still had work to do on this plane of existence, so he would guide his followers in the hopes that they would be reunited with Nettles once again. Could you imagine being cult leaders with your spouse? Your spouse dies, and suddenly you have to come up with an excuse while you're grieving. But it was a platonic partnership. I thought they were married. No, they were just friends. He left his ex-wife and kids to do this. That's why I thought they made a point of it saying divorced. No, they said divorced because he was having an affair with one of his students. Oh, that's right. Never yeah. mind. Either way, he's still grieving his friend. Yeah. But then he has to explain why he's she like, died. Oh, no. He's like, oh, crap. At the funeral, sitting there with realization. So it was a subtle but important shift in the cult's ideology. Whoa. Sorry, everyone. I'm dehydrated, so I sound a little weird. It's okay. 
I'm just sad. It's fine. We'll move on. We'll move on. It was a subtle but important shift in the cult's ideology, and it would have far-reaching and dangerous consequences. Members of Heaven's Gate cult believed that the suicide was wrong, but suicide was wrong, not the suicide. I was like, did I miss something? (laughs) But their definition of suicide was far different from the traditional one. They believed that the true meaning of suicide was turning against the next level when it was offered to them. Tragically, this was a fatal offer made in March of 1997. It's not clear exactly where Applewhite got the idea that there was a UFO trailing behind Hale-Bob. Hale-Bob? The brilliant comment that was about to make an appearance during that time, but he couldn't let the idea go. Oh. It's literally spelled H-A-L-E-B-O-P-P. Oh, hail Bop. I thought you said Bob. I was like, okay. You're pretty close, actually. <laughs> Some blame Art Bell, the conspiracy theorist and radio host behind the popular program Coast to Coast AM, for publicizing the delusion. But it's hard to see how Bell could have anticipated what increasingly worn and frazzled Applewhite would do with this idea. For some reason, Applewhite saw it as a sign. According to him, it was the only way to evacuate this Earth. The spaceship behind Hale-Bopp was apparently the flight that the Heaven's Gate members had been waiting for all along. Mm. It was coming to take them to the higher place they were seeking, and it was coming just in time. If they waited any longer, Applewhite was convinced that the Earth was going to be recycled while they were still on it. The 39 active Heaven's Gate cult members had already used the money they made from designing web pages, the cult's primary source of income, to rent a mansion near San Diego. And so they decided this mansion would be the place where they left their vehicles. Starting on about March 22nd or 23rd, the 39 cult members ate applesauce or pudding that had been laced with a heavy dose of barbiturates. Some washed it down with vodka. If you don't know, barbiturates are like a depressant. Why would you eat applesauce? That's what you're worried about? That's what I'm worried about. Washed down with vodka? It's disgusting. It's all just nasty. Uh, They did it group by group, placing bags over their heads to ensure asphyxiation, and then they waited for death. This was believed to have happened over the course of a few days. Those later in the lineup cleaned up any mess made by the first groups and laid the bodies out neatly, covering them with purple shrouds. Applewhite was the 37th to die, leaving behind two others to prepare his corpse and alone in a house full of bodies take their own lives. That's the creepiest thing. It's disgusting. But also, applesauce is your last meal, Emily. That's where I'm going with that. It's really gross. Or pudding. I would take pudding, though. Pudding's better. A good, like, chocolate pudding, like, especially in the cups. Yeah. With whipped cream on it? Yeah. Yeah. They probably wouldn't give you whipped cream, though. They seem not very nice. They seem not nice, and also, that's terrible. It's really bad. At least he didn't chicken out, though. Most cult leaders just kill everyone else except themselves. I guess that's true. After the authorities were alerted via an anonymous tip on March 26th, they found 39 bodies laying neatly in bunk beds and other resting places dressed in identical black tracksuits and Nike sneakers. 
and covering in purple shrouds. They, they're matching armbands red Heaven's Gate away team. Yikes. The anonymous tipster was later revealed to be a former member who left the group a few weeks beforehand and received a disturbing package of videotaped farewells from the group and a map to the mansion. So Not they intended for them to be found. Oh, yeah. Okay. Of course, the aftermath of, dis- of the discovery was chaotic. Reporters swarmed around the scene, clamoring for details about the suicide cult. Family members of the victims demanded that their bodies be tested for HIV. All of them were negative. Okay. Also, they weren't allowed to have sex, but okay. Well, I guess it was weird during the time, though. Like, there were so many other cults. Yeah. But also, it I wouldn't care. My family member's dead. They're dead. It's really... I don't know. That was just a really weird detail to me. Yeah. I, it could have just been because of the time. Yeah. During the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marshall... Applewhite's image was plastered on countless magazines, his wide-eyed facial expression living on in infamy. But after the initial uproar died down, those left behind had to cope with their loss. Former member Frank Lloyd Ford lost his closest friends, his cousin, and the love of his life to the mass suicide. Luckily, Lloyd Ford was able to find some semblance of grace during the traumatic experience. We all have a connection to the divine within us. We all have that radio transmitter built in. We don't need anyone to translate that for us, he said. That was the big mistake we all made in my mind. It was believing we needed someone else to tell us what our best path would be, which is fair. Mm-hmm. But eerily enough, Heaven's Gate still has four living followers who survived only because they were instructed to run the group's website in the mid-1990s and have been doing so ever since. They still believe in the cult's teachings and they claim to be in contact with the 39 members who died. Weird. And that's it. That's Heaven's Gate. I didn't know they still had members alive. Me neither. And that's also why they are, um, like, seen as connected with Nike. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Yeah, because it's creepy. It's really creepy really sad yeah don't take other people with you no let's not do that let's just don't take any lives at all your own someone else's exactly we're done leave them alone yeah i have a question for you Uh uh-huh i saw a tiktok earlier this week of this person claiming that humans in general are susceptible to cults like everyone is capable of falling for a cult yeah do you think you could fall for a cult 100 percent. you think so 100 <laughs> percent. i am the easiestly influenced person in the world am i gonna have to like check up on you every once in a while make sure you didn't do anything no and this is why i'll never actually join a cult okay i'm so anti-social that's fair <laughs> You could not catch me at any social gathering for said cult. That's true. You're right. I forgot that we're chronic illness girlies. We don't like going places. I don't like doing things going places. I do, but only with people that I like. And I don't like a lot of people. Exactly. I'm very selective about who I like. Exactly. So I'm not going to be joining a cult with a bunch of people. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think... I don't think I would. 
But I think everyone would say that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, you don't know until you're actually there. Like, most yeah. of the people in these cults are like, uh, what did I get myself into? And, like, what if you're raised in it? Yeah. You know? Or, like, Scientology. Like, famous people sign up for that every Gross. single day. Scientology's crazy. It's nasty. I don't want to do an episode on that. Don't ask me to. No. After that whole Danny Masterson thing, I've been so mad. I hate Tom Cruise. Ew, middle tooth face. Disgusting. Also, he looks like a lizard person. (laughs) He is the lizard person. I didn't realize he was short. Like, really? Some, like, I knew he was short, but, like, he's short do you remember off the top of your head how tall he is no but like anyway um we'll leave a question on this episode tell us if you think that you would succumb to a cult and be honest with yourself yes personally i don't think i i would because i don't i'm very skeptical and i'm very judgmental yeah like it honestly would depend on the cult for me that's true but if it were like something aimed geared towards me i feel like i could like possibly i'm very big into fandoms i've always been mm-hmm. a fandom girl like That's i was true. an original 2014 tumblr girly mm-hmm. if it's something along those lines i'm there yeah also let us know if you want a mini episode of us discussing things that seem like cults mm-hmm Thank you. Yep. Um, and remember to rate, comment, and review, subscribe wherever you're listening. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Chronic Pain and Paranoia. Sometimes we post things. Um, remember to plug in your heating pads, take your meds, and stay spooky. Stay spooky. Goodbye. Goodbye.